1: Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their can by and die over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the defender tasked with marking Dan James of the podcast. I'm going to have a bad time today, aren't I? And I'm joined today by the defender tasked with marking Somerville of the podcast, Martin Riley. I'm really going to have a bad time today, aren't I? And finally, I'm joined today by the defender tasked with marking Jorginho Rutter of the podcast, why even bother? He's going to make you look like a 4 No matter what you try and do.
3: It's Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing better than Tom Edwards did on Saturday. So, Which isn't which <laughs> is saying much, but you know, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm
1: good, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I, It's the first time I went to a game for a while on Saturday, and I had a bit of a weird experience at the halftime. I was like, it's like 4-0, we're, we're playing quite well, like, there's no stress, it's... Like, what, what do you do? I thought we were supposed to just be really annoyed all the time at halftime. You're supposed to down your pint in anger. But yeah, it was probably one of the nicest experiences I've had at Ellen Road in quite a while, which is good. Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic.
2: I'm still on a high from this result, to be honest. It gave me lots of pleasure.
1: Yeah, I should, I should add as well, I saw Tom Woodhead at halftime on Saturday as well, which made the experience even better than it already was. Um, so we are here today to talk about the emphatic 4-1 win over Huddersfield, on Saturday, but before that, we will do a brief discussion of the news, which is kind of just more fallout from the game rather than anything else going on at Leeds United. So the first one was the Joe Rodon injury, uh which I think, because he came off middle of the second half, didn't he? Cooper came on. And the other one as well was another injury, so that was Rutter potentially had a knock. He went down for a bit, but he did walk off. I guess I'm hoping it's more... Taken off just in case is an injury rather than anything concrete, but I don't know if you guys have seen anything more in the last day or two.
3: No news. I've just seen a just seen a picture of Rutter going out for a night out and, and was it Manchester for Somerville's uh, birthday? So hopefully he wasn't dancing too much and you know making it worse. But no, I've heard nothing.
2: Yeah, and the, um, the thing that Rod and Fark said that it was a hamstring um, knot, and it, it, from what he said, it didn't sound like it was too bad but nobody he knows he's out for two months, but
1: we'll turn am see before, before the uh, next game. Yeah, I've only really heard of Fark's comments after the game on them, and to me it sounded more like he was trying to make them sort of, he, he, you know, he kind of downplayed it, but also didn't want to give too much away, just so that, he, I don't know, point maybe something ahead of the game on Friday, I don't know, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but yeah, I've not seen anything concrete, I imagine it's more just, they were taken off just in case, rather than, if, because there was actually proper injuries there. But, yeah, like you say, Martin, we'll probably find out that one of them is out for two months now.
2: Who do you think should should be the one to take his place if he
1: is out to the last again? Rodon, yeah. you're saying. Um, I would personally have Creswell in there, I think. Maybe maybe alan but probably if you're going centre backs probably Creswell. I don't think I want Cooper in there and Strike moving over to the right.
2: Yeah. I'm of, the, exa- of the exact same mind. I would prefer uh, either Presswell or Ailey to take the spot just so we don't get Stroud from his public spot because he's doing so well there and it doesn't make much sense to talk too much when he can bring in a right-sided centre-back to replace
1: him. Yeah, I guess maybe you, Cooper's your experienced player and Stroud's your best well best centre-back. Mm-hmm. some might argue Rodon, but if he's not fit, it doesn't matter. Um, I could see why Falk might prefer that, but yeah, I'd much prefer having a right-sided centre-back there. I actually didn't mind went in the Cham- in the Premier League. I I actually quite liked sort of Cooper on the left and Strauch on the right under Bielsa. I don't think I think the builder was largely the same, but I've re- I really not liked it when I've seen it this season.
3: I think I think Strike's easy to press isn't he when he's on the right? Um, yeah, he gets he gets pressed easier. So on the left, I think he's always, he's also got like an easy outball, hasn't he? On the left side, basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I imagine it would be Cooper and Strauch if it was, but I would probably prefer to see Creswell or Raheem. Let's get into talk about the game then, so we'll start, as we always do, with a game summary. So Leeds approached the game with their usual 4-2-3-1 shape, with Huddersfield opting for a 5-4-1 approach. Leeds dominated the possession from the off, with Huddersfield sitting off. They were trying to absorb the pressure, and they were looking for some counter-attacking opportunities. They weren't able to make any dangerous situations, though, and instead it was our transitional attacks proving more effective and this showed when Leeds took advantage of this multiple times, with two goals coming from Dan James and one from Somerville, and the Leeds were leading 3-0 in the 34th minute. More misery was added late in the half when Somerville converted a fourth goal in a well-constructed attack in the 49th minute, making the score 4-0, yes 4-0 going into the second half. Huddersfield tightened up their end in the second half, with Leeds not forcing the issue, and Leeds were generally dominating the ball. Despite Huddersfield tapping in the rebounds from a shot in the 70th minute via Michael Hellick making the score 4-1, a Leeds win was never in doubt and the game ended 4-1 to Leeds. Let's get into the interrogation for this game then. So this is the section where I ask the guys a series of questions where we try and work out what happened tactically in this game and work out how on earth Leeds United won a game 4-1. So first question, I'll come to you first, Martin. So let's start with the first half, mainly because that's where all the action was. But do you reckon it was our attack finally clicking in this one, or do you think it was just Huddersfield being rubbish and their approach not being very good? I
2: think it's probably a little from column A and a little from column B. I'd really head more towards us being good, and especially in the counter attacking situations. Um, the way that we were to be Huddersfield was extremely good, and we just really took advantage of their weaknesses. and. But the thing which Hudderfield didn't do well was they were over-committing players forward, and especially I noticed during set-pieces they'd commit quite a lot of men forward, and because of the amount of pace we've got on break, they weren't able to get back to cover the hour attacks, which did really make it easy work. But on a whole, I think that whenever each power-tracking situation happened, the players were really good in those moments as well, uh, especially with, um, I think, was it the second goal with um, Rutter's little delayed pass over to mill. That was just absolutely superb play from Rutter, and then the first touch from some will to bring it down and then carrying it forward It was, was just perfectly perfectly done. and there's not too much a defence can do when players are playing that's that sort of level in the game and just a lot of things did click in the right way and a lot of our team had good games which really did make it up only going to go one way but the so they did play into our hands with their approach
1: Yeah I think for me it was the main the thing I noticed was like their whatever it is, rest defence might be the wrong term to use here, but their ability to sort of sit up their attack to stop us from countering just wasn't, wasn't was non-existence really, and like you said, they were over-committing and when you've got players like Reuter and James and Somerville who just thrive in transition and playing as well as they did, they were always going to get cooked, but yeah it, just, it did feel like that side of the attack our attack did click um, on Saturday, but I do think Huddersfield played into it a bit and when you've got players like that with confidence it will obviously it's only going to go one way, isn't it? Dan, what about you on this one?
3: Yeah, it's it's I was thinking about this. So I think the intention from Leeds was really clear from like from very early in the game. Leeds' first proper attack was on around three minutes. So we won a throw in on the on, on our right hand side, so in front of the East End. And the throw went to Rutter just in our half. Just in our half, he turned, like, within his second touch, he pinged a big diagonal ball straight over to Somerville, like, really quick, really, really, really fast. And Somerville, Somerville was away, kind of carried it down the left. And actually, in this case, Kamara kind of burst through in that left-half space and received a ball and cut it across. And it was just super direct, super transitional straight away. So the intention was instantly, Rutter received the ball from a throw-in, turned, bang like Somerville was on his bike already away you know waiting for that ball and, and we saw that quite a lot so just the intention to be super super transitional from any moment where, where the game was kind of broken was just there from the off so i just kind of think yeah i just feel we are a little bit slack in the midfield stopping those moments but we were just again really on it in that respect as well and just taking that chance to, so quick to, to get field and, and you know generate transitions like that so
1: yeah my brother turned to me when Ruta did that crossfield ball and said that's what rodrigo was trying to do against arsenal last year um, but this this time it worked but I guess it was Huddersfield not Arsenal Dan, should we be concerned that most of our dangerous opportunities t- were, tend to be in transitional attacks rather than a more constructed move given that like, Fark's, Fark's approach is to build up and have possession and we look much more dangerous when we're in transitional moments.
3: Yeah, so we've, we've kind of said this haven't we, we had this conversation last week that Leeds don't really have that r- repeatable pattern that you would traditionally see from a like a positional play type of team. Um, but yet we seem to be really kind of like good at generating these transitional attacks. You know, they're happening too often for it to be a coincidence, I think. So, you know, I think we do have reliable, repeatable method for creating these rather than patterns, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I think on Saturday, part of that was because Somerville and James and Rutter were just like physically dominant, weren't they? And physically faster and stronger in challenges. So that was an element. They were able to win so many of the duels, weren't they? But... Um, I think they're kind of really primed for these attacks as well. Like just on a few occasions, I've, I've noticed Rutter pick the ball up or Perot or even Kamara, whoever it is, and James and Somerville go straight away. they are gone before I've noticed. Like they're so sharp as, as a watch. I'm like, oh, they've gone. And it's like, it's before. I'm, so it's obviously drilled that those guys go and they you know, I'd love to see their touch map, James and Somerville on, um, on Saturday. Cause I, 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 they're almost like two kind of white center forwards, weren't they? They're so far forward so quickly. Um, so I just think it's, it, it's not a worry because we're getting very good at it and it's that's repeatable. It's not repeatable. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's repeatable. We're generating these situations uh, on purpose. Now, I guess it's, it's, it's when teams do a quite a good job of stopping us like Stoke did to an extent midweek last week and I suppose maybe Chef Wednesday did at home early in the season. So there are situations where we get stopped, but I think we're, we're reliably doing it enough that just makes me think that's that's what we are as a team, just this, this super good transitional, uh, it's a kind of a, a really good team at generating transitional moments as much as... Um, <laughs> Capitalizing on on them as well, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I guess when people think of repeatable patterns, they're thinking of uh, like te- the positional play teams who one player gets this and this, other player moves here and then this happens. And but like you can, like you say, you can see those elements in transition as well. And like like you mentioned, like when when Rutter picks up the ball and James and Somerville are going already, that that is a scripted play. So like that's that's why it's repeatable, where it's rather than a team saying we're going to put 10 men behind the ball and then hit you on the break and it's just hitting hope isn't it? So yeah, I, I think it's definitely, whilst I would worry about us against maybe a, a team that will sit in against a low block, teams that even attempt to come at us, it's positive and definitely we'll see it again and again, which is good. What about you on this one, Martin?
2: Um, no, I agree with Dan. It's not something which concerns me because we are so good at these transitional attacks and we generate them even in games where we really shouldn't, like Huddersfield were sitting in quite often. Um, but then in the few moments where they did, were even committing a few players forward, we hit them so quickly in those moments that it didn't, it didn't matter. And also the fourth goal, that was a very well-constructed attacking in play. Um, so I, I, this team, team can do them. Man. And it's just a matter of, of being patient and, uh, and to do them. Um, I think possibly in this game they were able to be that little bit more patient. And especially that's why, why that goal came, came around was because we, they didn't need to force the issue. They could just be patient and wait for the right moment to attack. And that's exactly what they did and to a great effect. And it's going to be in that case. There's no reason why they can't do it another time. It's just a matter of getting more used to this style of football because that's who we've played under a very different sort of coach. That's cool. At least in Jesse Marsh last season. So these sort of things do take a long time to gel into place. And you've got players like Glenn Cameron, who came into the squad late and were late to start getting foot in, in the game and I think he's also finally gelling with his approach and we're seeing differences in the way that he's moving and, and using that role. And there's also been little tweaks here and there for Fark in the system as well as we've gone on to try to protect it. So I do think that it is something that will get better against the teams who do really sit in and don't give us any opportunity.
1: So I guess we've talked about there about how well Somerville and James and Ruta did in this one, but the one player that, I don't know, didn't stand out either on stats, probably more on stats more than anything, was someone like Pirot. So does the, the transitional play stunt Pirot's involvement in games for Leeds, do you think? And I guess in an ideal world, if we got promoted, we would probably see us play more transitional next year, so is it a, a bit of a worry that Pirro is seemingly less involved in games when they're like this, or when we're playing transitionally, Martin? I see
2: that. my why, why people would think that, yeah. Um, but for me, I think this is something which Pirro will get better at the more the more that we do it. We do it a lot more than what, say, Swans, Swans are good because they were super professional, and they were having much traditional elements in their game at all. But I think it will just be a case of him getting used to it. Since he isn't as fast as the rest of our attackers, there will be opportunities for him from the edge of the box. If he comes in late after they've burst forward, there will be opportunities where he can get involved. I think it's just a case of him finding his part to play in that movement. I, I didn't think Perot had a bad game in this. He was getting involved in a lot, especially in the second half. I noticed was dropping deeper quite often to, to aid in build up, and he was really good in, in that respect. Especially when when we need to keep hold of the ball, he is a good attacking midfielder for that aspect he's very secure on the ball and he doesn't often awesome lose it so no, he's, I know I'm not overall worried about it I think he, he will get on the end of goals at, at, at games He's been on a bit of a barren spell at the moment with will lad but it's not a concern when we've got other players who are finishing off the opportunities
1: I guess if you've got three good transitional players it's quite a nice balance to have one that isn't as much transitional and might be able to do some more of the possession-y stuff if you need to do it so yeah, it doesn't really worry me, but what about you, Dan?
3: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, he's having a bit of a sticky spell, but I just, I just, and I suppose he doesn't naturally suit that transitional style, but I think there's been quite a few occasions where we've been looking for cutbacks. It's just not quite got to him. It's just not quite falling for him right now. So I'm not massively worried. I think he'll probably fall for him and he'll score a nice goal off the penalty, you know, from around a, a cutback on the penalty area and know and, and where he'll go. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one thing I thought was that I really noticed was, like I say, Somerville and James really kind of driving forward. And if we start seeing those guys doing like front-back post, no, back post runs, we might see defenders getting dragged by those those two a little bit more and therefore more space for Pro. I think early in the season, people were worried about Pro because obviously he was, he was a big player in the division last year um, and he was heavily marked. So I guess as James and Somerville continue to have excellent seasons, that might make more space for him and you might start seeing him Picking up some goals, you know, maybe the beneficiary of the space that, that those those two, as their reputation grows, as you know, that comes with that. So I'm not overly worried, but if we're still having this conversation in March, then yeah, maybe I, I would be.
1: I think it might potentially be a good Patreon pod at some point, us to just discuss this in quite a bit more detail. Maybe maybe not next international break; it might be a bit too early. But set maybe at some point it could be something to look out for. But yeah, we'll see how that changes over the next uh, weeks and months. I guess that's like all there is to mainly talk about on the the first half, or all the action had. Because whilst there's a four goals, it wasn't. I don't
3: think there was a massive amount of tactical stuff to get into. Apart from that, would you agree? I was going to say, yeah, it's it's funny um, watching it back. I didn't really kind of, I didn't relish watching it back for fun. But yeah, it wasn't. When I was watching it, I wasn't like, oh, this is great, this is interesting. It wasn't. I mean, it was just player superiority, wasn't it? It was player superiority in most cases. It was winning the game. the day for leads and I like guess speed of thought really. So yeah, it wasn't that interesting. But the second half was more interesting, I think, from, from a tactical perspective.
1: Yeah, bit weird, yeah, like it was more fun to watch the first half, but the second half was more interesting. Um which is probably a very Allstats stat's own way statement, isn't it? But let us let's, let's try and talk about the uh, the second half a bit then. So we had a question from Ian Burden on Patreon and he says was the second half managing the game tight in this, or was it Huddersfield just batting
3: down the hatches? Dan, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, the the, the boring answer is all of those, and um, I think mean, it's true. Um, I mean, at the ground in the game, I kind of thought Huddersfield were a little bit more intense second half, but I kind of didn't really pick that up on the rewatch, so I'm not sure. But what they were, what I noticed was they were sec- they played a 5-4-1 for most of the game, didn't they? But I thought they dropped back way quicker in the second half, when Leeds had any kind of possession, and almost a back six at times, so you'd like the ball near... So the, wing, sort of like the winger would drop in and make it a six sometimes um, on the ball side. And and they just thought they just really, really packed that back line and kept a four in front. And obviously just way more discipline. They weren't kind of leaving the lines, the midfielders, and leaving gaps. Um, and even occasions where Leeds got into attacking positions in the second half. So like, Somerville did a nice little turn on 53 minutes I've got here. They left his marker and tried to play through ball through for Perot. But because it was a back six, like the spared centre half was able to step in and just cut it out. It's just really hard playing through balls for a six you know, or a five that's that's quite often a six. So, And also another thing is I felt Huddersfield played quite a bit longer in the second half, though quicker to pump the ball over and try and get up the pitch that way, which again, I think just took away our best weapon, our transitional, or reduced our opportunities to transition. And then again, I think obviously we took off off the pedal, so we weren't kind of generating as much of those transitions ourselves with, with play either. So yeah, it's just a bit of like Huddersfield did a pretty good job of being more disciplined and filling in defensive gaps. We didn't quite go so hard and Huddersfield also played direct to take away some of our opportunities to win the ball back in, in midfield. That's what I felt happened. I guess I'd
1: say on the, there's a, I'd say a couple of things that are linked on it, so like our intensity dropping, because one thing I was really impressed with in the first half was our ability to sort of get around, if the Huddersfield got the ball, we were, they were closing them down so quickly and when that intensity went a little bit, it obviously gives them the time to hit the ball long um, in the second half, but yeah, I, f- I think lead yeah, Lee's intensity dropping and Huddersfield's probably going up a little bit or, or factors into that. So yeah, it's like, it's all kind of linked, isn't it? A bit. And then I guess the ch- the changes for the, the subs like Ayling coming on, Cooper coming on, I think that kind of th- those changes, I feel it, we just didn't seem as fluid. And like, like we said about those, um, like James and Somerville going over, at, go, uh, going straight away when Rutter picks up the ball. You didn't see that as much probably from Nonto and, uh, Anthony. So, I think yeah, the change has just kind of lost the flow a bit, and that's it all just all just added together, like you say, but what about you on this one, Martin?
2: Yeah, I think there was a couple of things going on with the second half, and um, first of all, it was like to sort of Sudersfield words more disciplined in making sure they were protected against characters. That's one thing that was quite obvious, and they weren't going for it as much, and sort of tried to I think it's just damage limitation isn't it And I'm be told by this that the only shot they had was. In the goal that they had, that, that that one shot which was rebounded by Melier and then the tap in, those were the only two shots that they had in the second half, and they came in the book both in the same moment. Um, they wasn't really trying, I don't think. think that made it a uh, loose fit here and there, but they wanted to get away from Road with the lives intact and not and see more damage and morale further. And on the on the other side of it, leads weren't going for it as much. Mm in the first half, um, both full-backs were getting quite high and wide. But uh, that was something which is new. I, I felt, um, but normally, normally we have one who's a little bit deeper and is inverted, and the other side will get high and wide. But in this game, both of them were getting high and wide. And what was happening was camera and Andrew were both filling in in fullback spots quite often, and so that gave cover for both sides. So it it, it was quite quite a good, good way of working it. I felt. And it helped get people forward, and it had more gave the opposition more players to worry about in the wide areas, which opened up space for our wingers. So yeah, that was what was in the first half. But then in the second half, the fullbacks were playing deeper, but on both sides. So it was giving was, the was that extra protection. The we work committing as many men forward, and in the term for that. Um, Hammer and what wasn't playing as deep. and was just occupying a little bit further forward, giving options and just generally just drifting around the middle of park. being a be nuisance for all. So yeah, I think it's a combination of both teams not really wanting to go for it as much, just settle for where it was and try not to concede.
1: Yeah, I really, um, I really liked the high and wide fullbacks on both sides in this one. I was actually, I think Byram did that role really well. Not, not, not to have a proper Shackleton but yeah I just really enjoyed Byron on Saturday um, do, do you think it might be something we might see f- uh, in the future Martin just to try and break down these teams that in theory sit back yeah. more than they the others I could definitely
2: see it um, it works very well in this game and it would definitely be a little tweak which Fyfe in introduced to so try to get more impetus on both sides and I think the involvement involved in the good men and we were going down the left more often than the, than the right fan. and um, yeah I think that is something which we could see going forward, just to try to break down
3: these sides more. I think I saw Shackleton making kind of um, inside runs of Dan James sometimes, and they were swapping quite a bit. You see Dan James going on the outside, and Shackleton would make quite a quite a good kind of seam run on the on the inside channel, right inside, quite a bit, and then occasionally vice versa. So. Yeah, yeah, more of the attacks went down the left, but I felt there was there were some fairly fairly good attacks between those two on the right-hand side. It's not a bad little partnership, is it, really? Shackleton and James. Yeah, that's In the attacking sense. Bad, yeah. bad
2: working partnership as well, both good and yeah, solid yeah. out-of-session.
3: Yeah, but I mean, it makes it interesting for when Spence comes, because you kind of think of Spence as someone that's going to drive down the outside, aren't you, and, and kind of really, you know, hold the width, but... Be interesting to see if he does in field and get involved as a the way Shackleton did at times.
2: I don't think he has uh, the ability to be effective in that sort of way. Because of his so because of his physical attributes, I think he would be able to do the goal quite well as well as the wide wide fullback.
3: Yeah, I, I can carry the ball in field as well. I would think. Yeah, I can, I can see him carrying the ball through midfield. Absolutely. Yeah, know. as well. I don't see why not. No, I'm probably oversimplifying this, but didn't Spence score quite a lot of goals
1: when he was last in the championship? Like, isn't he quite comfortable making that run? Even if it's like not what he... Naturally, do he'd rather be a high and wide center back, but you think he must be comfortable in those areas?
2: Yeah, all the sorts of, uh, I would have thought so. I think he'd even played as a, as a winger in, in the past, um, so yeah, I, I think he, he, he would be more he would be comfortable to do it. Um, yeah, but obviously, since our best right right side attacker at the moment is Dan James, it would make sense to use him in that manner because James is very effective at, at, at holding the wicks.
1: One last thing I'll say on this is if you'd have said to me like si- even six months ago that. James and Shackleton was making a nice partnership on the right hand side for Leeds I would have have just been like what what are you on about you're you're mental but yeah I'm quite enjoying it it's great
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why United Healthcare offers flexible budget friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com
1: Let's talk about a few uh, players individually then. So, Ethan Ampadu, um, again, he played a full 90 minutes and this could have been a good opportunity to give him a rest, either a full rest or even taking him off when the game was probably done. So, Dan, wh- why do you think Fark is averse to this? Is it just because Groove had a bit of a nightmare on Wednesday?
3: Yeah, I think so. I, I, that, that, yeah, he really trusts Ampadu. Obviously, obviously implicitly trusts Ampadu, doesn't he? He's, he's his man. And yeah, I just don't think he quite trusts Groove yet. And I'm not. Sh- I mean, Kamara would be fine in the build-up in that position, but I'm not sure. Would you want Kamara filling in gaps? Well, he'd probably do okay, wouldn't he, as a six in that game? But uh, like Ampadu is definitely the most natural at that kind of game, isn't he, in the squad? Um, so yeah, I mean, it is a worry. I kind of I, I, I do want to see Ampadu rested and looked after because we need him like all year, don't we? And and to be fair to Fark, he has done a, on 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 Wednesday and yesterday, he did a lot of rotation to look after people and a lot of subs to look after people. So he's got it on his mind. But yeah, for some reason Ampadu's not getting the treatment yet, so maybe he's just indestructible. Or maybe Fark thinks he is. I'm, I'm touching wood, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess the what it would have been if, I'd come out, uh, sorry, if Ampadu hadn't playing it would have been him and Groove, but if he doesn't trust Groove, then it's like, he would have had to play Gray there, and I think he was resting. Gray had played back to about 90s, am I, yeah. am I right? and plus the international so, games as well he
3: played, so yeah.
1: Yeah, so maybe it was a case if he had to rest Gray or Ampadu. And it couldn't really do both unless yeah, like we say, they play groove but not after Wednesday, thankfully. Uh what about you, Martin?
2: Yeah, I think this would be the case that um it doesn't quite think that we can fulfill fulfill what Ampedo is giving us at the moment. I do think that he probably could have taken that risk in this game, because the field weren't really going for it and that was quite evident um, by midway through the that just could have gone for the final say twenty five minutes just to limit that final part of the game. Um, but it's, it's also possible that because Roden got injured, he didn't want to miss our best centre back. Well, one of our best centre backs, and also our best midfielder. He, he, he didn't want to risk both those two things happening at the same time. Um, it's possible that if Roden hadn't been injured, even he might have decided to get on through a so That's just me theorising, but still, what well, one-inch I can
1: think of which I would explain it. I think we mentioned on the Stoke preview, Martin, that when we talk about the group potentially playing, that it probably made more sense to start him on Saturday rather than Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I would, I think he's personally probably done that the wrong way around, but it just doesn't really matter, does it? Um, as long as we can get to a point where we are happy with Groove to play eventually, so we can rest Ampadu. We've had another question on uh, this time on Twitter, or X, depending on your preference, from Christian Medley, and he said, Rutter was amazing again, but why has he not scored more, Martin?
2: Uh, yeah, this is one issue which we analyse um, and looked at, and isn't a good finisher. That is one thing that is a downside in this game, and it's probably the only thing that you'll hear me say bad about him. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't really think that's his role. And he, I if my memory fails me, I'm pretty certain he didn't have a shot in this game, and it, it's become his role to be the creator in this team and especially when we have a number of players who are finishing their chances well, it kind of makes sense to use him in this way and just maximize his transformation to get chances to other people. And that's why it doesn't concern me. Um, if he was a top-end finisher, he probably wouldn't be playing for us <laughs> at all um, because then um, he would be the complete package. And no 21-year-old playing in the championship is the complete package. Um, so yeah, that's, that'd be my explanation from that.
1: I've just had what look he had one shot and it was blocked that's on Saturday, um, but yeah, none on target or off target. Yeah, I, I guess um, with yeah with Somerville, I guess Somerville is somewhat creative, and James what is more just now is more of an out, out and out winger, isn't he with Pirro. Despite the fact that he's playing as a ten, he's probably your striker. So yeah, Rooter is the one that's been tasked with creating the chances, and I guess he's he's not as much of a worry that he's not scoring the goals. But it was yeah, something we'd like to see him pick up a bit. What about you on this one, Dan?
3: Yeah, well, I guess he's become the main creator, hasn't he? So like his teammates are looking to play to him very quickly and moves out the and he's, he's using him as the, like the guy that starts the moves. You know, he's kind of like his roles almost like what Pablo Hernandez was, wasn't it, when we got promoted? I mean, a different position and obviously a different style of player, but just his, his role in the team is is that main creator, the main facilitator. So he's kicking things off, often in quite deep areas. Um, you know, And we, because we're transitioning very quickly, if we're a positional play team, he might kick a move off and by the time the pieces are in play, he's arriving in the box, so he might be in position to score. But because it's so quick and, you know, he's not often there in the box, is he, by the time the, the shots that are made? Because he's kicked it off at the halfway line. Um, so... And also, I just don't think he naturally makes kind of goal scorers' runs. He doesn't make like near post like driving runs, does he? Or back post driving runs? Or he doesn't hang at the penalty spot. He's looking to receive the ball back, isn't he? And do another creative thing. He's just not naturally someone that's looking for that. Um, I mean, I think he strikes a ball quite well, doesn't he? We've seen him strike a ball nice. I think you know if if at some point he does add goals to his game, if he just start making those kind of runs and becoming a bit more of a clinical finisher as well as a creator, then yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? We're losing for a lot of money. So um, yeah. I think mean, that's the main reason, and like I say, it's not an issue. It's not like Leeds are not scoring enough goals, is it? Really, so in general play, so it's not really much of a problem.
1: Yeah, I do like it when he does that drop deep, and because it could be surrounded by like three players, but he'll just dribble out of it because he he just loves dribbling.
3: Must, must be a nightmare yeah. for centre backs as well, because they're there thinking, well, he's a striker. And what am I supposed to do? Follow him, you know? And but and then yeah. this they could end up following yeah.
1: him into their own half, and he'll just he'll yeah. turn him, and then see you later. And then he
3: pings Dan James, who's legging it the other way, you, you know, or whatever, or some of It's just. The full-backs. like, do I go with these guys? Do I hold well, you know, it's, just, it's, it's quite a good dynamic when it comes off, when it works. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I would just say, just, just enjoy what he is doing at the moment. Yeah. I will not worry about him sc- not, <laughs> not scoring goals. Yeah,
3: same. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, let's have a talk about All Stats, aren't we? His favourite boy then, Dan James. So, I think all of us at some point, I will definitely take some flack for this one. I've been negative about Dan James. Um, but he is in super for, um, superb form at the moment. So, got to give credit where it's due. So, why do you think he's been as effective as he has been this um, so far, Martin?
2: I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One, because he is very effective at this level, and his primary attributes, his pace and moving with the ball, are much more of a threat in this league than what they are in the Premier League. And secondly, his role has been simplified. He's he's not he's been playing in his third role, which is as a right winger, which is what he was best at when he was with Swansea in this league as well and this is where he is best. Um, when he's been playing with the left, it's not his natural role. He doesn't like do, doing that. You'd think because he, he likes to shoot from distance, it would make sense to play him on the left because he can put it inside and hit with his right, but it doesn't seem to work that way with Jam. He is he, he's, he's much more effective coming off the right and shooting with his right. <laughs> Every now and again shooting with his left foot, which we all keep going at. But, yeah, I think his his he's, his role has been to some He's a stick wide crosses in mate runs beyond when the moments mate runs beyond and shoot when you're in a position to shoot and he's doing doing that well at moments and both of his finishes in this game were top level finishes. You can't argue with them all, especially first. That was just a fantastic finish, it was hard and low and right in the corner. That's a great finish, and I just I have to give Dan a lot of credit. It was a, it was a very good goal, and his second as well was also good as well. It was also a well timed one that he
3: made and the and pass from was it Somerville, who passed him, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, Somerville fed him. Yeah. Somerville yeah. got two goals, two assists, didn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah. so, yeah.
2: and Somerville played played a perfect ball to him and he took it well, perfectly the first time. So, yeah, you've got to give him a lot of credit for his current role in the team and his operating it to production. And, off and off, obviously, his opposition work is probably done the best in the league for a winger. So, yeah. He's, he's doing well,
1: and I hope it continues. I I was sat in the cop for this game, like right back, but literally behind the goal. Like I was looking through the net most of the time. And for that first goal, I had a very weird moment where I saw Dan James on the ball, and I had no doubt that he was going to score that goal because the amount of space that there was. And it was a bit like this is just weird. It's
3: Dan James, and I'm, it's like a guaranteed goal. Very odd. Dan, what about you? This is kind of why he's doing well, isn't he? He's playing in a like system that suits him. It's like it's like run hard down, run fast, go early. Shoot cross early repeat, and it's just like he's got a very clear idea. It's like clear ride, isn't it? You know, Dan James, this is what you are, and it's just he was doing what he was good at, and he was he's, he's, he's told like when you know when Rutt has the ball, Pir has the ball, whatever, go, oh, you know, and just, just make sure you stay on side, and then you know when your chance comes, go, and then and shoot across the goal, and you're going to either create something or or score. <laughs> it's, and it's just it just kind of seems like a very simple simple game, but it suits him. Um, I mean, the other thing is he made his name, didn't he, in 2018, whenever it was, at this level. So is he just one of those players that is kind of between levels a little bit? You get them, don't you? Now and again, players that just aren't quite Premier League players, but are just a bit too good for the Championship, or, or very very good for the Championship. Is he just is he just one of those falling fall between the cracks type players? Um, and you know, when we're benefiting from that as a Championship team. Yeah, he's,
1: I think for me, he's, he's one of those players that is like you say, Dan. I think he's definitely benefited from the dropping level. I think the the space the space that he gets that I think definitely helps him. And I know I've been banging this drum for ages and so has Jacob, but yeah, definitely prefer him on the, right, on the right. I think that helps simplify his role or just, just play on that side on its own. Because um, there's one thing I don't want Dan
3: James doing and that's thinking,
1: <laughs> because
3: I think that's when it goes wrong. I I'll, I'll, uh, I would like to say though, one of his early good performances this season was West Brom and that was on the left. So he does have it in his locker and he, and he did get across his, his full back true. and ping some fairly good yeah, crosses with his that. left foot. So... Again, the game was simplified. He was playing the same game, just on his weaker side, so probably not quite as effective. But he still had a good game that day.
2: I even, um, I even noticed at one point he was making some really good runs in field, like vertically across, like not like putting inside to go forward, just that direct carry into the middle of the pitch. And I actually really liked that. As first, I was wondering is that he James doing a good ball carry, <laughs> even though, quite be fair, he doesn't often. Get yeah, those really good carries when he's surrounded by players. If he's got space in front of him, he's usually great. But in in that moment, it was uh, I was really happy with him for something which wasn't a ball goal, goal assist. He's just in great form at the moment, and you can tell.
3: I mean, there's a couple of things. There's like is obviously speed, isn't it? And that advantage is a bit bigger in this level than the, the Premier League, isn't it? Where the, in the Premier League you do come across really fast fullbacks that are they're probably just as quick as him or are close to. So his his advantage is way less. And then the other thing is is like. He's, like the environment's probably really good for him at the moment. You know, he's had a, probably a person it's probably been a pretty miserable year or two, hasn't it, for him since he come to Leeds. And like at the moment, like he's starting, the fans are appreciating him. He's got a manager who probably likes him. Um, you know, seems like nice vibes around the place at the moment, doesn't it? Like, the environment seems pretty good. The players all seem to be together. So he's probably happy, isn't he, as well? He's probably happy as he's been since, I don't know, he was at Swansea or something? Probably, as a guess. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if that was a big factor in him playing well, so...
1: I will agree. I think he did play um well in that West Brom game on the left-hand side. But and I can't help myself here, but I will counter by the fact that I saw him play on the left uh, way at Birmingham and he was awful. But I think Leeds were awful that day as well. <laughs> yeah, so true. I might be I might be being a bit harsh on him there. Wasn't that
2: the game um, where, where we had Shackleton playing on the right wing?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> but
3: Dan James did also give away a horrendous penalty, so. He did. He did. Know.
1: He did. I I
3: mean I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not Debating that he's better on the right, I absolutely agree with you guys. He's better on the right, but I think it's like the, it's the it's the role, isn't it, that's more important. Yeah. For me, the other thing I'll
1: add as well is um, because we're just very effective transitionally. I think because of the speed of play, again, because he hasn't got time to think, and I don't want him thinking. He just he's like, I'm here, and I have a, I've got. Sp- I've got, I've got to shoot or I've got to get the ball in quickly and that's it. And there's like, there's no two, well, what do I do here? So I think that sort of helps him as well.
2: It's instinctive, isn't it? It's, it's, all at the it's, it's just to do with these two things and he does a few things as well, because so it works.
3: Hmm. I mean, when he was at them across the hills, um, his best period for them was like under Solskjaer, wasn't it? When they were super transitional. And then, you know, when they tried to change the game up a bit, then he, he kind of, you know, found himself out of the team a lot more so. He's just definitely a transitional player, isn't he? You know, have him in a transitional team or don't play play him is <laughs> would probably be the yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. I'd, I'd be interested to see if, if we go up and we end up probably becoming probably a mostly transitional team, we are quite already, but does is he stay as effective? I, f- I think in this role you probably would say you'd back him to stay quite effective in the Premier League. But it would I think be interesting to well, see.
2: Just looking at his time in uh that's across the met Man United. Um, he had three got three goals. Man United, I said. United. <laughs> that's so three goals and six assists in twenty six starts, and then he was only twenty one years old. Then, so that, that's not a bad return. That's a good
3: return.
1: That's not a bad yeah, return
2: yeah. in Premier League for a twenty one year old. So, yeah,
1: if I remember co- correctly, he came out. Ironically, he came out pretty fast uh, for for them in red, yeah. um, and was fairly bad. From about five games on, if I, I might be misremembering there, but he definitely scored a few in the first few games, and then definitely was not good after that. Um, I can't help myself saying negative things about Dan James. I'm sorry, I'm actually really enjoying him at the moment, and I've actually yeah, that that was a sorry go on. I'm
3: saying we all love a redemption arc, don't we? So, and he's having a bit of a redemption redemption arc. So why not? Yeah,
2: and he's still he's still relatively young as well. He's only 25. So.
1: Yeah, I've actually quite enjoyed a long. Discussion about Dan James. There, who would afford yeah. it? What a what a weird season. Um, but yeah, as I say I am enjoying Dan James this year, and I really hope it continues. One last player to talk about then, and probably my favourite one from the game on Saturday. So I want us to talk about about Glenn Kamara. So Martin, how do you rate his play on Saturday? Well,
2: let, let's just say um, that because of this game, I've decided to do a Patreon video on him. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that should tell you as much as you need to know about how highly I rate this game. Um most of the all stats that we people enjoy a good deep playing midfielder and this was four door esque in Fourth Prime. And yeah, he he was just he was everywhere in aiding build up. He was essential to that for us keeping hold of the ball. He was popping up in all sorts of different areas in the pitch. He was at left back left centre-back, right centre-back, right-back. He was in uh, second midfield, central midfield, and he even popped up on the left ring a few times. He was just absolutely all over the pitch, aiding wherever session needed to be aided. And he had the highest pass completion on the pitch, on top of all that, Um, I think it was around 96%. And he also had the most final third passes and the most progressive passes as well. So he wasn't just playing safely all the time. Um, he was just he was a small action display from a midfielder who I'm going to really, really, really like. And so, yeah, I i really enjoyed this game and think he was, was as essential for this win as any of our attacking players.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
3: I think we've seen the midfielder that played really well for like Rangers in the UEFA Cup, or whatever it's called these days, a couple of seasons back, a few seasons back, you know, like that kind of level player, like, a, you know, like a you know, like an approach in a Premier League level player, really. Um, and yeah, I just completely agree. It's like, it, like first half, he saw him involved in quite a lot of the attacking moves, so he looked like a really good kind of almost attacking midfield. Not you know, like an old-fashioned kind of box-to-box midfielder bursting forward. And then second half, when we were looking just to control the game and just tempo the game out, he was like doing the foreshore thing, second half. So it just kind of showed like a really nice broad skill set and popping up in deep build-up like say Martin an attacking midfield. Yeah, just a lovely all-round midfield performance and um, looking like a really good buy for the money. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really happy with him. I'm really, really, really pleased with we, we got him. Um, one of the maybe he's one of the you know one of the buys that weren't particularly exciting at the time, but now I'm starting to think yeah, that's a really nice sensible buy in the summer.
1: Yeah, I def- definitely agree with all that. I think th- this this was my first time seeing Kamara play alive, and I just I just really enjoyed it. Uh, it's just like like you guys have said, like his ability to turn out of possession is uh, out of pr- um, being pressed. Like yeah, his press resistance. And then playing, playing out both progressively or just retaining possession. I think it was just a, a good all-round performance for what you want to see from that sort of player. And I know it's Huddersfield, but I'd, I'd back him like, um, like you say, Dan, because I think he's, I think he is a probably a Premier League level player that I would back him in those bigger games as well to to do that job. So yeah, I think he's really good, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching him. For the rest of the season
3: my, my only concern with him is I don't think he's physically massively strong is he I can see him going up against a really powerful midfielder and maybe getting run over sometimes that's the only kind of concern I have with the guy but technically I think he's great so and he covers yeah. the ground really well so
1: and I think that brings an end to our review of the Huddersfield game unless anybody's got anything else they want to say nope no all I will say is that's probably the most fun I've had at Ellen Road in a long time and I think Huddersfield are the shittest team I've seen at Ellen Road since Huddersfield last played at Ellen Road I will do a little Patreon plug then, as always, to finish off. So throughout the season, we've been putting out some bonus content on Patreon. Uh, for those that don't know, Patreon is a media platform in which you can show support to creators who you enjoy, and in return, you get some bonus content. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get our podcasts ad-free and early access to our preview pods. And then we use these funds to enable us to pay for opposition fan interviews, and improve the quality um, of our other content which we put out. And like like you said, Martin, you're going to put together a video for Glenn Kamara. I guess you've already uh, touched on that, but is there any, anything else you want to say on that?
2: Yeah, it'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Um, it's, it's true, but I, I've got about a short of six minutes of footage, which I'm going to park over, uh, just for talking talk over some of these best moments in, in, in the game. But yeah, um, that'll be for our Pavlov tier subscribers, so uh, something special for
1: them. Yeah, and I guess you can do a lot in six minutes, can't you, Martin? So, got to look forward to you that one. You see what
2: I, I can do in two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> so, if you want to sign up for this bonus content that you can get on our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash A-S-A-W Patreon. Um, We'll be back tomorrow, I believe, to preview the big game on Friday against Leicester. But until then, I will say thank you to Dan. Cheers, mate. That's been fun. Thank you, Martin. You too, Tyler. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.